How is everybody? How's, how is it back at school? How are the first weeks going? Yes? Mm. All right. Uh, well, uh, here's the deal about tonight. I told you that over the last couple of weeks, we've been sort of uh, descending, you know, deeper and deeper into what it means to hear God's voice. And tonight, we're going to get um, kind of down and dirty into it, down into the lower altitude, into the real practical. How do I really do this? How do I really make decisions? How do I really hear God's voice? And so, let me just prepare you. Um, I'm going to give you a lot of notes, like a lot. I'm going to give you more than any person should pack into one message. I'm going to break all rules of good communication and give you way too many points, way too many things. So I do not anticipate that you'll remember everything by the end of the night, which is why I want you to take notes. Because these are some things that you're going to want to take out of here and sit in and pull back out on occasion uh, whenever you are, especially looking for direction from the Lord or especially looking to hear his voice. And so, you know, grab a pen, grab something to write on. And I think there should be some pens in front of you in the chair, even if you didn't bring one. But uh, here we're, here we, here we're going to go. First thing I want you to do on whatever you're writing on is I want you to just write down in whatever way helps you remember a decision that you're currently facing it can be small, it can be big. Or if you don't have currently a large decision in front of you, uh, put something down to remind you of maybe the latest one that you made, of the last big decision that you made. So either one you're currently looking at, and if you don't have one, well, large one you just made. So something that you really need to or have needed to seek God on or seek guidance on or something that you really went back and forth on and just weren't sure of. So you finally pulled the trigger on it. Okay? Now you got it? All right. We are going to jump into a passage of scripture today in the book of 1 Samuel. Um, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings. Those are four books in the Bible in the Old Testament that are so full of so many amazing stories. It's a lot of King David. It's just, it's a lot of battles. It's a lot of heroes. It's great. And we're going to go to 1 Samuel and we're going to go to chapter 3. And we're going to talk, you know, long story short about a little boy. A little boy that heard the voice of God. It's considered to be sort of a famous Bible story. Uh, uh, and maybe some of you have heard of it, maybe some of you have not. But it's about a little boy named Samuel. So let's jump right in. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now let me let you know, Eli is a priest in the temple. And Samuel lives in the temple with the priest, and he's, uh, he's a servant or an assistant. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. In those days, it would seem as if, now this is before the Holy Spirit descended in the New Testament. This is before Jesus arrived and was proclaiming the gospel. This is before all of that. This is back when God would speak through the prophets or God would deliver, you know, some kind of miraculous thing um, on a mountain to a man like Moses or something like that. But it had been a very long time before God had spoken. And it says his messages were very rare. So people, um, some people were hungry to hear from him. And some people, because there had been a lack of hearing him for so long, had sort of become numb to it and weren't really seeking it out. 
One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Guys, this is just occurring to me. This is not my notes. By the way, the Bible is so rich. I mean, it's so rich. So just so you know, the lamp of God represented in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit that had yet to come. So it says the lamp of God had not yet gone out, which what, what is being said in Scripture here is this sort of, see, we know that the Holy Spirit comes, but what it's letting us know is way, 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 way back then, that lamp, that symbol of the Holy Spirit was going strong, and they just didn't know it. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God, and what did the ark of God represent? God's presence. So little boy Samuel is sleeping next to God's presence with the Holy Spirit flame going. Suddenly the Lord called out Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you. Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again. Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Mark that, okay? So the Lord called Samuel how many times? A third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called us before. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then God would literally speak to Samuel. And Samuel would grow up to be a prophet for the people of Israel. And he was the prophet that would anoint David to be king. And it all started when he was a little boy. So why did it take Samuel three times? I don't know that that's a real tough answer to figure out. We know that he was young and he didn't yet know the Lord. When you're new to faith, you have to learn to hear God's voice, right? Anytime you're new to a relationship, it takes you a little bit to begin to decipher the voice and the tones of voice, to pick up the phone and recognize the voice. So he was new. So it's understandable that he hears something and he might think that it was the person over him, Eli. And when you followed your voice or the voices of others for so many years, God's voice is different and it takes intentionality. It takes time. It takes practice. I love new Christians. And one thing I always want to say to them is give yourself grace. This relationship is new, and you're figuring this thing out. So then why did it take Eli three times? This is the priest, this, and this guy's old. Like, he's been, he's been following God for years and decades and decades. Why, after three times, did it finally occur to him? Well, let's look at what the words were that God spoke to Samuel. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. 
It took Eli three times to know God was speaking because Eli had stopped listening to God's voice a long time ago. He'd wandered away. And his sons, by the way, were incredibly evil. And Eli said nothing. He did nothing about it. And he let them sin in the temple. See, Eli, remember a couple weeks ago, we said you get in the gate, you go to the mountain, and you get in the gate. See, Eli was way outside the gate. He had stopped speaking truth, and he allowed his family to worship other gods. Hear me on this. See, distance makes discerning God's voice very difficult. When you are far from God, whether you are not a believer or you are a believer, but you allow all of the busyness and the, and the complexities of this life to crowd out time with him and listening to him, distance from him makes his voice harder to hear. Many of you have been Christians for a long time since you were little, but you still struggle to know when or how God speaks to you. You know, you can be new to faith and strong in growth, but you can also not be new to faith and new to growth. You can have walked with the Lord for a long time and have nothing to show for it. There's a ton of Christians like that. There's a whole lot of Christians walking around like victims. There's a whole lot of Christians walking around looking like everything's hopeless. There's a whole lot of Christians walking around looking like the devil's won. A whole lot of Christians walking around looking like God stopped speaking a long time ago when God speaks every day. In fact, the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. You know what? I think we actually have a lot of unbelieving believers. What if we had believing believers? We have believers that walk around and, and, they, and they pray and they search and they wonder what God wants and God has spoken. But like Eli... They've stopped speaking truth. The length of the relationship does not determine the depth of a relationship. You guys know that, right? You have relationships maybe for, that have been a very, very long, maybe your family, maybe friends, um, and they're not very deep. In fact, they might even be incredibly dysfunctional. It might be toxic. It might be things that you have to distance yourself from. You know that, and you can have friendships, and you meet, and you just immediately know you can sit down and talk about God. You can sit down and talk about faith. You know you're moving from the same foundation. You can have people you can move instantly deep with. See, the length of a relationship does not determine the depth of a relationship. Which is tragic, really, for Christians, don't you think? Don't you think that the people who've been walking with God the longest should be the wisest and the deepest? And the most on fire? Shouldn't they be the ones that never shut up about Jesus? Why is it the new Christians that talk about Jesus and it's the old Christians that are like, they've learned to be apathetic? I love new Christians because they haven't learned yet that you can go to church and be apathetic. They haven't learned that yet. They think you're supposed to go and be excited. And they're right. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Look at that. Jesus says this, y'all. Through the prophet Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you. I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God promises that he will answer us. He doesn't say you're going to like the answer. 
He doesn't say it's going to be the answer you want, but it will be the answer that's best. It may not be the safest answer, but it will be a good answer. And by safe, I mean God's always going to give you an answer that calls you outside of your comfort zone that requires risk. We are promised if we seek him, we will find him. Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek me, you will find me. So I'm going to breeze through. I'm going to try and breeze through so we can get to this other meaty part. I'm going to try. I don't breeze through much, but I'm going to try. Um, oh, I don't need this. We have it on the slides. Um, okay. There are, I don't want to say it's limited to you, but I want to say if we had to drill down to four unique ways that God speaks to us, as he spoke to Samuel, we could, we could drill down to about four different uh, types, if you will, of people, four different ways that God speaks to those different people. All of us in this room have different personalities. We have a different wirings. We're created differently. And the way that I hear from God, it may be different than the way you hear from God. You know, you have a friend and they hear from the Lord differently than, than another friend hears from the Lord. So I'm going to give you four different ways to learn uh, how to hear from God. And I want you, as we go, to determine which of these you might be. You will probably be more than one type, but there's going to certainly be one that you lean into more. I'll start and you'll understand what I mean. Some of you in this room are what I would call a hearer, a hearer. Much like Samuel. Samuel was in bed, and what did he do? He heard God say, Samuel. And then he heard this list of things that God was going to do to Eli and his family. He heard. Hearers seem to have a direct line to God and an uncanny ability to hear his voice amidst everyday noise. Hearers are people that will say things like, I heard God say. It doesn't mean that there was some audible voice coming down from some from speakers, but it will be, you know, in, in your mind, you hear words. Like you should do this or you'll hear a prompt, very specific, audible in your mind, in your heart. Hearers are usually good listeners, usually. Hearers often keep journals because hearers like to write down what they've heard. Hearers can usually point to a moment that they heard from God and it grounds their confidence. For example, hearers usually have a story where they'll say, hey, I heard God say back here at this moment on this day, and it was so real to them, it tethers them. They know they heard it. And nobody can tell them any different. And they've built like a historical timeline of hearing. They heard this, then they heard this, then they heard this, then they heard this. And over time, it builds this confidence in hearing the voice of God. They hold to the word that they heard on a given day. So how would a hearer learn to grow in becoming a better hearer? Here's a couple of suggestions. One, if you're not already, that you would develop a system of documenting what you hear, like a journal. If you don't like to write, do like little voice memos on your phone. And then you go back and you review them. You know, six months you go back and you look back and you, 
you listen to or you read what God said and it reminds you. Because you might come to a certain situation you're losing hope in. And when you go back and you read what God said to you at these different points, you remember who God is and it builds your faith. And sometimes God will say things to you that mean absolutely nothing for right now. And they'll mean everything for something later. There are things God has said to me. I've written them down. I have no idea what they mean. And then sometimes months, sometimes years later, I will go back and go, oh my, that's what he meant. This is what he meant in that day. So if you think you might be a hearer, document it. It will be critical for you. Throughout the day, here's a practice for hearers to get into. When you're walking into a situation or a conversation or a class or whatever you're walking into, just say to the Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Get into that habit and that discipline that Samuel did. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, your servant is listening. Train yourself to listen for him all the time, all the time. And here's maybe a third filter for hearers. This is really important, super important. Use discernment because not everything you hear is for everyone to hear. Hear that? Not everything you hear is for everyone to hear. There's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament. You, Joseph, Joseph had a dream that he was going to someday rule over his brothers. God gave it to him. And then he went and told his brothers that. So they tried to kill him. This is what I'm trying to say to you. Not everything God says to you is for other people. Sometimes it's a word for you to hold and to keep. And you got to learn to use the sermon with it. Okay, those are hearers. Here's a second type. A uh, second personality, if you will. A knower. Knower. Like K-N-O-W-E-R, knower. A knower just uses their senses. They just know. Have you ever met somebody who just seems to know the right thing to do all the time? It's super annoying. Right? You're like, how do they just know? How do they just know what to do? How is it that when they make decisions, they seem to all go well? How did they know that about that person? How did they know that? I mean, how did they know that would happen? They told me that would happen. I said, that'll never happen. And then it happened. Do you all know some knowers? How many of you think you're a knower? <laughs> Are you afraid that you're in trouble? Like, yeah, everybody's going to hate you? Okay. Knowers. Um, knowers are people that you might say have some street smarts, right? Uh, just really great common sense. They just know. They don't always have evidence or data to back up what they know. Or they may not be able to give you a real reason. But they know. And they're right. And that's the annoying part. <laughs> right? The rest of the types can't stand it. All right. God speaks to knowers with a strong sense. Like a um, strength of intuition. 
like when they enter a scenario or a situation, there's something that God does in their gut, in their instinct, that they just know and it compels them. Um, I'll give you an example. I'm a bit of a knower. My kids hate it. Because I say things like them, oh, I'm going to know and you lie to me. And I do. So um, I've learned over time, it's taken some time and some history building, I've learned what my gut feels like when it's God and when it's not. There's like a confident gut, I feel. And then there's a, a gut that is so close to it. I mean, all, it's like 95% the same, but it's that 5% off that makes me feel restless and I have to back up. And sometimes it's been so close that I've thought it was God and I've moved this way quickly learning it was not. But as, because there's just a slight difference because the enemy's a liar, right? So he's deceiving. He's almost like the voice of God, but he's not God. So over time, I've really learned now that 5% seems much larger to me because I've learned. Knowers may even act contrary to how they feel. Knowers are not driven by their emotions. So I can feel afraid, but I still know I should do it. A knower can feel nervous. They're still going to choose it. A knower can feel sad or can feel anxious and they can still move forward because they just know. They can operate outside of their emotions. How to grow as a knower. You got to build a history with God. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But every time you don't, you went with that intuition that God gives you and you learned that it very much was God, literally take a moment and go, I cannot forget how this feels. I need to remember how this feels. And you build a timeline of learning. All right, knowers. Also, here's a couple warnings. Know that what God has already, know what God has already said in the Bible to be able to filter your intuition. If your gut is telling you to sleep with your girlfriend or boyfriend, you are wrong. I don't know. I just, you know, knew it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Nope. No, you did not. Okay? It's so funny to me when people want to pray about things the Bible has already said. I'm like, I don't understand. God has already said it. Why do you need to pray about it? I, I, I know. It baffles me. Like, I was just talking to a lady in the, in the lobby this weekend. I, probably, I don't even know why. This is, this is when I do these things. I start to not know if I should. But I was talking to a woman in the lobby, and she's talking about this person that she's with. And I said, you know what? Can I ask you a question? And we just met. I said, are you sleeping with him? She said, Yes. I'm right, I'm a knower. That's what's happening, right? And I go, well, why? She goes, and this is literally what she said to me. She goes, hey, Pastor Heather, you're right. You are right. I'm going to pray about that. No. No, you're not. You don't, you don't need to pray about it. Oh. That's why Jesus take the wheel. Okay. Um, right? 
So, but knowers, you have to know what the Bible says in order to check your gut. Because your gut can be so strong, it will take you in the wrong direction. Because here's, here's another warning for knowers. You got to stay humble because here, listen to me, knowers, one out of 10 times, you will be wrong. And you got to know it. You got to stay humble. All right? Okay, third type, seers, a seer. These are very rare, okay? Um, a seer thinks in possibility, hope-filled visionary. They can see what the future should look like, big picture people. 20 years from now, this is what the world will look like. Guys, I can just imagine that this is what it, the landscape will be like. Seers, they just see the future, and they might struggle with day-to-day -day details. Because why do we need to be in the daily? God is doing big things. Jesus is coming back. Why do I need to graduate? Why do I need to be wise? Jesus is coming. It's not going to matter anyway. Right? Big, big, big picture people. They often see in pictures. They often have a picture in their mind of what the future will look like. Like it's emblazoned in their mind. They often are trusted by God with dreams and visions. Had a young man in C12 last week walk up to me and said, uh, Pastor Heather, do you think that God still gives dreams? I said, yes and amen, he does. In fact, do you know that it says in the Bible that in the last days, God will give young men dreams and visions? And women will prophesy? So God can give dreams and visions when he so chooses. You can read about it in the New Testament. He does it. It's only happened to me a couple times in my life. I, would, I, I am a visionary. Um, I probably can be a seer every once in a while, but I don't know that it's my main type. Uh, maybe twice in my life I've received a vision or a dream, like when I'm sleeping uh, from the Lord. One of them was when I was 21, and I, I was graduating from college to be a teacher, and I had a dream and I was, all it was, it was so brief, and I saw myself standing on a stage, and I was speaking to all these people. And it wasn't a classroom. It wasn't, like, students. I was very well aware that it was, like, a large room, and there were lights, and there were all these things. I had no idea what it meant. I just thought, that's odd. Uh, but it was so, like, etched into my mind. I never forgot it. I didn't know what to do with it, so I just did what I was doing. I became a teacher. I taught for 12 years. And after I stopped thinking much about it, I said yes to a call to ministry, and then all of a sudden I found myself preaching on a stage one day to hundreds and hundreds of people, and it occurred to me, oh, okay. And what it was was a moment of me, of God taking my mind back to something. There was affirmation of the yes that I'd given him. So God can do that. And you'll know it 
you'll know it's important. You may not know what it means, but you'll know it's important. Okay. How to grow as a seer. You got to write it down. Whatever you see, you got to write it down. Whatever you, God gives you, write it down. And then you got to form practical questions. Like, how can I prepare myself for what I've seen? With this big vision or this big future that I have, how, what is a practical step I could take now to prepare myself for whatever that is? Speak it out loud. Tell somebody. Tell somebody you trust. I don't think you're weird. I had this dream, and here's what it is, and I don't, I think I know, something, you might go, I, I think I know what it means, and you may go, I don't know. Write it down. Write it down and record it, because there'll be a day that you don't remember all the details and you want to remember, okay? Um, find accountability to follow through on the dream that God's given you. Sometimes God gives dreams and you know very well what they mean and you do nothing with them. You just do nothing. Because you haven't told anybody. Nobody knows. And it's way outside your comfort zone and you're not sure what to do. And so once you tell someone, they can hold you accountable for taking steps toward it. All right. Fourth and final type. Feeler. A feeler. A feeler senses what's going on in the natural and supernatural environment. A feeler is used to being interrupted by God in a moment. A feeler picks up on spiritual moments that most people exist, and powerful encounters with the word of God. They experience God's emotions. It's a powerful thing to experience God's emotions. They have difficulty functioning when things don't, quote, feel right. Feelers, have you ever walked, uh, if you're a feeler, you know, you've walked into a scenario or a situation and you had no reason to think this and nothing really evident to show it. It just felt real dark. And you're like, I am going to get up out of here. <laughs> and you don't even know why. You're looking around, it's normal people, normal things. There's just a sense that it's a dark place. I've, done, I've been in restaurants before. Drives Jeff crazy. We were in a restaurant in Chicago, downtown Chicago one time. I was like, I can't be in here. We have to go. Like, it just felt oppressive. Like, I couldn't even breathe. He's like, but it's good. And okay, we got to go. <laughs> one of our prayers for C12 is that people would come into this place and they would just feel that it's different and they may not even really know why. They don't know what it is. They just feel that it's different. You know, you walk into this place, I think, and there's just a sense here. Like a Holy Spirit PC feelers just sense uh, the environment. A few years ago, Jeff and I were at a conference in Vegas. Um, it was actually a, a conference for creative and worship leaders, and Jeff was there, and so I went with him. And uh, he was in a bunch of meetings one day, and I decided I was going to go shopping. And the shops were right across the street from our hotel. But, to, but the short uh, cut to them was from our hotel to walk through Planet Hollywood Casino and go to these shops. So I'm like, all right. So he's off at the meetings, and I um, get up, and I go, and I walk. And I'm walking through Planet Hollywood Casino in Vegas. And I don't know if any of you have ever been to Vegas like, there's a reason it's called Sin City, y'all. Like, the sidewalks 
are littered with just uh, little cards of porn. Like, literally. I remember being in Vegas, and there were children with their families, like, stepping on pictures of naked women. I was like, what in the world? Jesus, come back. Um, but I had to walk through the casino, and I was walking through Planet Hollywood, and I, I mean, I literally was like, I can't get my breath. Like, I can't get my breath. And I thought, maybe it's just all the smoke, right? Because there's a ton of smoke. I was like, maybe I can't get my breath. And I came outside where I, was, where I was out of the casino, no change. So literally, this is what I do. And I don't know, people walking by, probably, they probably just thought I would, there were a lot of uh, people sitting on the ground and homeless people. They probably just thought I was one of them. Because I went over and like, I literally like sat down on the ground, leaning against the wall. And I was like, coaching myself because I knew I'm going back to the hotel. You can do this, Heather. You can get up. You can walk back. You can do this. I felt this heavy weight of oppression in this darkness. And I did. I got up and I literally, I was like, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. I got back to our room and I was like, whew. Feelers, you just feel it, you know? So here's how to filter yourself. Anchor yourself in who God is and not what you feel. Know who God is because you're going to have to trust who God is no matter how you feel. Your emotions might overwhelm you. In fact, you might sense so much sadness, you don't know how to find joy. In fact, I think joy is very difficult for feelers because you feel the weight of the world and you can't seem to push through it. It's a natural thing. But you've got to remember the truth of who God is. You also have to answer the question when you feel something, is this consistent with God's character? Am I feeling a way about a situation and, and, and I feel like this could be from God or does this seem like something that would be outside of who God is? Ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? For example, uh, just because someone breaks up with you and it makes you sad, it does not mean they are evil. Do you know what I'm saying? When you feel something, check yourself. Because it may just be a normal feeling in a normal circumstance, and it doesn't mean it's dark. It just means it is. All right? And pray until there's joy. Also, note that what you feel may have nothing to do with you and everything to do with who you're around. I think especially your generation, you know, when you become a Christian and you start to form new friendships and new relationships, but you have these old friendships and these old relationships that you were once a part of and part of a different life that you led. And when you try and go back to them, you feel like you no longer fit. And you try really hard. Because you care about these people and you loved these people. But when you go back, for some reason, you just can't feel like uh, you're a part of them anymore, no matter how hard you try, because you're a feeler. Whether you're a knower, seer, feeler, you know, um, God can speak in any of them at any time to you, anytime he feels like it. You probably have one that you are more than 
you are more that than the others, or a couple of them you're more than the others, it doesn't limit God and how he speaks to you, but it is great to kind of know where you lean so you pay attention and you start to sharpen that skill. All right, Do you, does that resonate with you? Do you feel like you can find one of those that you think might just fit you? I tell you that because some of you hear from God and you just don't know it's God because you don't trust that he would actually speak to you that easily. It can't be that easy. I mean, I heard this, but really it's that easy? Or I feel this, but it's that easy? Yeah. Yeah. He speaks to you. God does not play hide and seek. He doesn't go hide and just like find pure pleasure in the fact that you can't find him or hear him. He wants to be heard. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants his voice to become familiar. He wants to talk to you. All right. Remember that now we're going to dig down. We're gonna, now we're going to move into a different section. Remember I told you there's lots of notes. There's lots of things. This is a very practical message. Now we're about to get real practical. So the decision that you wrote down, either that you're making or that you did make, we're going to work through it through some filters, and you're going to see if by the end of the time you might even know what decision to make or whether or not you are glad you made the decision you did. All right? How do you know? Let's say you have no idea if you're a seer. You have no idea if you're a feeler. You have no idea. You're like, well, that sounds great, Heather. I just don't get it. All right. Let's work through it. When you're not sure if something is the Holy Spirit or you, here are questions you can ask yourself that will lead you to the right answer, that will lead you to knowing if it is the Holy Spirit or if it is yourself. Very practical. You're not going to like all of them. But let's go. First one is this. Does it agree with God's word? Now, we've kind of talked about this, right? To know what God is saying, know what he's already said. Don't go to him and wonder what he thinks about things that he's already expressed. I think he just sits there and thinks, read it. In Bibles, they have these things in the back of them called a concordance. You can actually look up the very thing you're wondering about, and it will tell you where to go in the Bible. Or you know what? Just come ask me. Ask a volunteer. Hey, and because you might not know, I really don't know what the Bible says about this. Can you tell me what the Bible says about this? And I will tell you. And I'll tell you where to find it yourself. And you can go look it up, and you can study it. And you can really know what God has to say. So ask yourself, is what I want to do, is this decision I want to make, is it in agreement with God's word? Now, there's, are two, there are two kinds of will, wills of God. There is a general will of God that applies for all of us, every single one of you. Things like, again, uh, you know, what does purity look like? Well, sex inside of marriage. I mean, that's for everybody. Should I give to God's church? The answer is yes. Should I hold resentment or anger towards someone? No. I mean, there are things that the Bible says that apply to all of us. But then there are specific things that don't apply to all of us, that just apply to you uniquely. Like, um, should I change my major? Right? Uh, should I move here? Should I date this person? 
Should we buy this home? I mean, there are things that are just about you that you're not going to be able to go into scripture and go, okay, you know, Jesus said, yes, I can pursue this. Like, there are just those unique things. So then what do you do? Okay. For those things, let's move on. Second question, does it make me more like Christ? If I do this, is it going to make me more like Jesus? How do you know if it's making you more like Jesus? This is what it will produce in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If it is not developing those things in you, it may very well not be of him. If it's not forcing you to exhibit patience, if it's not forcing you to exhibit self-control, forcing you to be kind, back up. Number three, do other believers confirm it? This is my favorite. I love this. I love this one. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. At the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Do you know how many times I've had people come up to me and go, all right, Heather, I know what you're going to say. But, right? And then they, they, they offer their question. I know. I, yeah, yeah. I know what you're going to say. But, and they say it in hopes that maybe I won't, but I do. Do you look for advice and direction from those who will point you to Jesus, or do you look for advice and direction for those who will affirm your every decision? Can I say something? Listen to me. Lean into this. If the only people giving you advice are people who say, as long as it makes you happy, you are getting bad advice. As long as it makes you happy, is that what you want to do? Great. You should do it. You deserve. You, yes. No. Jesus didn't die to make us happy. He died to make us holy. And let me tell you something. Holy is the only way to happy. People think happy will produce holy. Nope. Holy produces happy. So do godly people affirm the decision you're going to make? If no one who loves you and loves God agrees with the decision you make, don't make the decision. But Heather, you just don't know him. You just don't know. I mean, I mean, when he's with me, he's so nice. I mean, I know, I know what he's done, but Heather, you just don't know him. Nobody knows him like I do. Yeah, I do. I dated him. Lots of him. You know? Heather, like, I know. I know her reputation. I get it. <laughs> I know. I know what it is. But, you know, I just, uh, like, I feel like, you know, she's changed. And, uh, like, I get it. I feel like I'm good. I feel like I can handle it. All right. All right. No. No, no, no. You are nobody's savior. You... They're like, no, 
But you know what? That, yeah, just, you know, uh, I feel like I could be really good for it. You know what? Um, here, this is for free. Okay. When you become a Christian, you got to be real smart. you got to be real, real smart. So you've been outside the gate when you're not a Christian, and you've got all these friends that you've been living a non-Christian life with. And um, now you've got to figure out how to restructure your life so that you can maintain your holiness and your holy life in the midst of unholy. So you got to build your life different. you got to build your life with a core of people that love Jesus. And what happens is we think that means we're rejecting these people. No, it does not. No, it does not. What you're doing is you're building boundaries. You're building layers of people into your life. These are your confidants. These are your godly people. These are your pastors. These are the, your mentors, right? This is your family. These are your friends. These are your acquaintances. That's what that is. What this means is you get strong in here so that uh, you can come out here and minister. You don't get strong out here. You go in. You go in deep into community and into family and into relationships that can build into you so that then you can go out and love people. But until then, you've got to build distance and they may not understand. It's not that you'll never be here, but you're not strong enough to be here yet until you've walked with the Lord and you've built a history of listening to him. Do other believers confirm your decision? All right, number four. Is it consistent with your gifts, personality, and abilities? You, many of you are lied to and you're a little, I'm about to disillusion half the room. Are you ready? You cannot do everything you want to do. You know when we're little and everybody says... You can be anything you want to be. Yes, you can. No, you cannot. <laughs> Have you not seen the American Idol tryouts? <laughs> right? No, you cannot be anything you want to be. There are things I would love to be. I want to be a backup dancer for Beyonce, and that's true. Is that going to happen? I mean, you know, people say no, but I'm just... <laughs> people advise me it's not a good idea. But if it is not consistent, I mean, can God do the impossible? Well, Heather, that's true. But, you know, he took Moses who, you know, had a stuttering problem and sent his friend. So God can do Well, that's fine. You're not Moses. I mean, God gives you gifts and abilities. And I'm telling you, look at what he's given you and wonder, might God want to work through my gifts and abilities? Probably. Do you know that there are gifts and abilities I never had until I stepped in the calling God wanted for me? Like, you think you're limited to the gifts and abilities you have now. And so you start looking for, how do I use it? Listen, God's going to give you something, and when you step up into it, you're going to discover things you never knew existed. Just don't. <laughs> anyway, there's so many things I could say. You know, ask yourself, is what I want to do consistent with my gifts, personality, and abilities? Ask somebody honest, am I good at this? And I mean honest. If you get this, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, mm -hmm, you're, yeah, it's good. You're not, that means no. 
And it means they're afraid to tell, they're afraid to tell you. Did I sound okay? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. Sound great. No, that's not what they mean. Okay? They'll speak with confidence. All right. Fifth question, does it concern me directly? I love this. Do you ever met people who seem to know what God has to say about your life more than, like, the, more than God has actually talked to you? Like, if you feel like God talks to you more about other people than he talks to you about you, you got an issue. God is not going to talk to you more about other people than he talks to you about you. He's going to want to work things out in your life before he sends you to work them out in other people. And before you deliver a word to someone that you feel like is from God for them, you better double check. You better double check, filter that thing. And you got to ask yourself, am I letting God speak to me about me as much as I'm letting him speak to me about other people? Number six, is it convicting rather than condemning? Is it convicting rather than condemning? Things that God says to you should convict you of sin, but it will not shame you in your identity. So, I don't know, a few months ago, Megan, where are you? Megan, where are you at? When was it that you babysat for Judah? It was a few months ago, or whatever. Yeah, and so Megan came, and she was babysitting for my kids one night while we're gone, and uh, they're all going to bed, and um, I I learned this later. Apparently, Judah, my then seven-year-old, walks out onto the landing at our house, looks at Megan, and he goes, shit. (laughs) Right? I don't even know. Like, I, I'm just like, complete, I'm thinking, what, what? So we come home, Megan, and well, Megan says to him, she's like, uh, Judah, does your mommy and daddy let you say that? He goes, no. <laughs> He's like, just like, you know, testing the waters. What's she going to let me get away with, right? So I come home. I'm like, oh, Megan, how was it? She's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, I mean, there's this thing Judah said that I should probably tell you about. And so she tells me this story. And immediately, I, th- here's my response. I'm a good parent, Megan. <laughs> like, I'm a good parent. I'm not a bad parent. We don't talk like that. We don't, you know. Who cares about Judah? It's me. This is about me. And... <laughs> Uh, so later I like, you know, gather Judah, um, up and I, I say, Judah, so Megan told me something uh, about last night, you know, is this true? You know, did you say, uh, a bad word? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) I go, what'd you say? He's like, well, I'm not going to say it. Like you said it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. This is what I said to him. I got down on his level and I said, buddy. This is not who you are. This is not who you are. You are not that. And I know you hear that. New friends say that. I get it. But you gave your life to Jesus and you are holy and this is not who you are. It's not even about the word. 
It's about the things that, that you let come out of your mouth. Tell people what your heart is. Is that your heart, buddy? We pray every night that he will grow up to be a worshiping warrior for Jesus. Is that? No. <laughs> right. See, God is convicting, not condemning. See, I didn't come and say, Judah, you are a bad boy. You are bad. This is terrible. Like, I didn't raise you to do this. Are you kidding me? What do you think this makes me look like? You are bad. You know what? You are, you, you are grounded. You go to your room, and I'll let you know when you can come out. Like, that's condemning. Convicting is like, this is not who you are, and God has better for you, and you have to check that. Finally, the decision. Do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? One of the biggest hindrances to hearing God is just a busy life. It's a busy life. It's not because any of us are trying to do anything wrong or trying to not walk with the Lord. We just get busy. And we often mistake discomfort in our life for a lack of peace. If you're wondering if you have peace about a decision and then you feel a little bit of discomfort about it, it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to make the decision. You just have to figure out, is this nerves because it's taking me out of my comfort zone or is this nerves because God's asking me to back up? Like, what is that thing? Because if it's just about taking me out of my comfort zone, then it's probably, it might just very well be God. God will never keep you inside of your comfort zone. I wonder if we just have two different directions that we can go. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to speak, and then he wants you to obey, all right? And after you obey, after you say yes, after you say yes, then you will discover the options that exist in order to make that happen. You will say yes, and then you will figure out the options. I just had a conversation with someone this week. I sat down, and we were talking through um, a big decision that lies in front of them. And, I w- and they were trying to weigh out all the options. But if I say yes, then what about this? If I say yes, it will pay this much. If I say no, then I can stay and get paid this much. I mean, just all the different options. Where will I live, and where will I go, and how do I filter this, and all of these things that came into play inside of this decision. And I said to them, I go, forget it. Stop figuring out the options. You have to give your resolute yes first. Is God telling you to do this? Yes. Then you got to wrestle it out with God and you give your resolute yes. And after that, we'll talk about the options. But if you got to figure these out before you'll do this, you'll never hear. I mean, you'll, you'll just won't, because here's what is, okay. Here's how your generation works. I love you, but here's how it works. I know God wants me to go there only if it makes sense on paper. I know God wants me to have that job because it pays more. 
I know God wants me to make this decision because I feel like all of the steps have lined up really, really easily. I don't know why we think (laughs) that God's way is the easy way. Nowhere in the Bible did that happen. It was never the easy way. Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, was shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, put in jail repeatedly, spent years in jail. I don't think it was easy. But we figure out our options, and that's what tells us what to obey. And often we make the wrong decision. We do it wrong. We chose the easy. We chose the happy. And when it stops working, we ask God to bless it. Hey, you know this really thing, big thing I screwed up? Lord, could you just bless it? Could you just fix it? He's like, well, I, I actually asked you to come over here and choose holy and hard, much like I did the disciples, much like I've done every Christian that's ever lived, and you said no. I wanted to bless this. This This, because I know you better than you know yourself, my child, was going to make you happy. Was going to make you happy. Then you got another decision to make. Abandon this and head here. Or stay here and ask God for a plan B. How do you make it work? I don't know how to get much more practical than that on how to hear God's voice. The only place to go really from here is for you to practice it. It's really the only place for you to go. In 2018, I was a senior pastor at a church in Wisconsin. I was the boss. It was amazing. My husband worked for me. Also equally amazing. (laughs) Um, The church was exploding, just growing leaps and bounds. We'd gone multi-site. I was the first female of a church of that size. There was a senior pastor. My name was familiar in our denomination. We lived a very comfortable lifestyle. My kids had grown up in the town that we were in. It's all they knew. And about a year and a half ago, I got a call from one of my mentors, Kevin Myers. He'd been a friend of mine for a few years, and we knew each other just from being senior pastors and just being in the denomination. And, and uh, I'd known for a few months that God probably had a next for my family. Didn't know what it was. Assumed it would be probably a senior pastor at another church because that would make sense. Why on earth would I ever go work for someone ever again? So Jeff and I were praying about that. Lord, where do you want us to go next? I knew that we were going to be leaving. And, I got, and I've sensed very clearly from the Lord that I wasn't supposed to go looking for a job. I was just supposed to wait and let God bring it. So he just kind of waited on the Lord. And then I got a call from Kevin. And I'm in the living room at my house one day on my day off. I'm in my PJs. And 
I, I had just done a video for Charleston that they'd shown on Mother's Day, completely unrelated. And he called and he said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, thanks for doing the video, worked really well with the message, the content was great, great, glad it worked for you. Then there was silence on the phone. And I'm standing in my living room, and because I am somewhat of a knower and a feeler, I, no joke, I'm standing there, and I had like a physiological reaction. Like everything in my body felt like I'm going to spontaneously combust. I felt like I'm going to either vomit or like I don't know what's happening to me. I started sweating. What? Why? Like, I don't understand what's happening. And then I felt acutely aware um, that the Lord was leaning in and saying, Heather, whatever happens next, you have to say yes. Well, then it must be big. Sounds great. So talking to Kevin, Kevin's like, hey, uh, um, I have to ask you a question. And he got real weird on the phone and I And I'm standing there, again, I'm sweating and I'm shaking, and I say to him, I know what you're going to ask me. And I have to say yes. And he said, when you come here, I was already scheduled to be here for a meeting. When you come here, I'm going to show you my journal, Heather, that says, ask Heather Simple if she'll come to 12 Stones. She'll tell you that she already knew you were going to say it, and you'll both know you have to say yes. I know. I can't say no. (laughs) Then I heard the details. I'm going to offer you a lower position for less pay. No. No, Lord, this is not from you. These are not the options I want. This is not, no, this makes no sense to me. Because he, and here's the thing. God will take you out of your comfort zone. Kevin's like, I don't think you could ever work for anyone. I think you're right. I think you're going to struggle for a year or two. I think you're correct. But we both think God wants to do something. We think God wants to raise up a generation. We think God wants to unleash women. We think God wants to do something. So, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then everything else will figure out. If I'd had to know all this first, I never would have said yes. Y'all, I just wouldn't. Can I tell you the last year of my life has been the hardest and best year of my life. I have learned more about Jesus about who I am, about leadership, about servanthood. I've learned more about my passions and my loves than all the years combined behind. Not one day passes I wish I was still there. Not one day, not one moment. When you hear from God and you say yes, you push through the hard and you push through the obstacles and there will be obstacles. But see, when you know it was God, when you heard it, when you felt it, when you saw it, when you knew it, you must say yes. 
being here at C12 has one of, been one of the greatest gifts of my life these last few months. I would have never imagined I would enjoy something like this so much. I would have missed seeing God move in a way that amazes me every week. I wouldn't trade it for anything. What is it that's before you that God's asking you? You band, you can go ahead and come. What is it that's before you that God's asking you? What decision do you have to make? What direction do you need to go? What do you need to do? Or have you already made a decision and you need to go back and you need to remedy some things? You need to fix some things that you decided and you knew it wasn't of God, but you did it anyway. What do you need to do? What decisions do you need to like take that list and you need to go through the decision and you need to place those filters over it? Of those four types, which ones do you feel like you're going to lean into? Because you feel like that just might be you. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for every one of these men and women in this room. These men and women that you have great plans for. These men and women that someday, these are going to be the leaders of the church. These are going to be the leaders in our government. These are going to be the leaders in our school systems. These are going to be the leaders in the health field. These are going to be the leaders in the counseling field. These are going to be the leaders of our world, Lord, and you have great plans for them. And I beg of you, Jesus, bring them to a place of surrender to you now rather than later. Now. It only gets harder. The more you build your life on comfort, it only gets harder. Choose holy. Choose yes to Jesus. Choose that. Say yes to him. He will speak when he knows you will listen and you will say yes. Why would he speak if you're going to say no? If he's not speaking, maybe it isn't about, Lord, please speak to me. It's about, Lord, I'm so sorry because I was going to say no, but Lord, I commit to you now to say yes no matter what it is. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, would you please move in this space tonight? Lord, would you affirm choices? Would you affirm decisions? Would you give your supernatural wisdom and discernment to everyone in this room as they're making decisions in this season of their life that will affect the rest of their life? The most monumental decisions of your life are made in the generation, in the season of life that you guys are in right now. Let them be what Jesus has said to do. Let them be in pursuit of holy. Father, I pray you would breathe on their life. I pray that those who are choosing obedience, Lord, that you would fill their soul and their life with favor. And it is for your glory we do this. For your glory alone, Jesus, and for your name to be known, Lord. Amen.